0: Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, uh, a station that broadcasts only Divrei Torah, uh, Divrei Musa, Divrei the Halacha, and also religious music. This is Rabbi Albaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about Parashat Vayetzeh, which we read yesterday. There is a, a dialogue a short conversation between Rachel Imenu and Yaakov Avinu in the Pasha we read yesterday. Uh, It looks like it does need some explanation. It starts like this. Vatere Rachel kilol yaleda liyaakov. Leaymenu had already a number of children. And Rachel didn't have any. So when she saw already, after the fourth child, that she didn't have any, it says, if we translate the word literally, it would say that Rachel was jealous of her sister. Then she went over to Yaakov and says to him, Give me children. If not, I'm a dead person. And how does Yaakov answer her? He's angry at her. He says, Am I instead of God? Hashem refrain from giving you children? I have children. You don't have. Uh, This sounds like it needs some kind of explanation. First of all, what does that mean? She was jealous of the fact that they had children. She didn't? That is not the Pshat. Rashi tells us what it means. She really was jealous of the fact that she had good deeds. She must have done something very good. Amra, she said to herself, Must be that she is a big tzaddiket. Otherwise, she wouldn't have that kind of zekhut to have so many children. She, You know, it's one thing to be mekaneh someone someone who is extremely wealthy. Oh, you know, I I'm jealous of him. He has money and I don't. That's one thing. It's another to say, Oh, I'm Mekane from the, the, the scholarship of Hakam Yosef Shalom. Uh, I wish I could be like him. That's a different situation. She was Mekane of her tzitkut. Now she goes to Yaakov, she says, Give me children, otherwise I'm a dead person. So Rashi explains why. Because Misha in Lubanim, Hashuv kemet, a person who doesn't have any children, it's like uh, it's like he's dead. In other words, uh, that's it. Once he goes away to the next world, everything stops. There's no children that will carry on his legacy. That's that's the pshat. So, what is, how does Yaakov answer her? He's angry. You know, because she said to him, Why don't you pray for me like your father prayed for your mother? Yitzhak Avinu, the father of Yaakov Avinu, he prayed for Rivka. So, why don't you pray for me? So, Rashi explains like this At Amrache Abba. You're telling me I should do like my father. I'm not like my father. Why? Abba lo banim. My father was just as sterile as my mother. He didn't have any children. <inaudible> Me, I have. Well, something still doesn't make great sense here. What does that mean? Uh, you know, what kind of conversation is this? Yaakov <inaudible> Behir the chosen of our forefathers, he tells his wife, who's in great sorrow and grief because she didn't have any children, he says to her, look, it's not my fault if Hashem did not give you any children. Me, I have. I cannot be like my father. He had no children. Me, I have. Well, well, I mean, if you go to a great hacham and you said to him, please, pray for me so that I can have, uh, because I have a lot of pain. How when Hashem takes away my pain? Would you think that the Hakam will come back to you and say, oh, yeah. well, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I have no pain. It's your problem. You have the pain. I don't have any. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So this passage actually makes us a little uh, shudder, it shakes us. Uh, his wife is crying to him and he answers, it's not your problem. It's not my problem. It's yours. At any, at any rate, there must be some explanation to this. And there is. Actually, at the end, she prayed and Hashem listened to her prayer. Like we said, We still have to explain the situation here. The Ketab Sofer says, it says in the Gemara, Masichet Baba it says, A person who is uh, a praying, let's say, uh, for his friend, who lacks something. And that same person that's doing the prayer need, also needs the same thing. He is answered first. Meaning, if a person, for example, is childless and he has a friend also who is childless and he prays for his friend to have children, then Hashem will answer the one who is praying first. Hila. <inaudible> and we learn this from Abraham Avinu. Because it says, <inaudible> Abraham prayed to Hashem. And then... Hashem, he healed Abimelech and his wife and everyone else. <clears throat> he healed them all. Immediately after that, it says, Ve'ashem pakadet Sarah. And uh, made Sarah conceive. Now, because he prayed sincerely for Abimelech, Abi because he took Sarah into his palace, so Hashem he 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 struck him with with a mahala with an illness where he couldn't have he couldn't have children, he cannot procreate. So now he prayed for him. of Ram A bin Who's because immediately after that he says And a Hashem pakadid Sarah. He uh, he visited Sarah and she conceived. So what we learn from here is if someone seriously prays for someone else and he needs the same thing, he's answered first. This is very important. We learned this from Abraham, like we said before. So Rachel said, pray for me like your father prayed for your mother. Okay? But you see, Isaac prayed for his wife And he himself was sterile. So, He is answered first. And that's why, Akal Baruch answered him. He said, But I'm not in that category. I cannot pray for someone else so that Hashem should answer me first because I already have children. That's what he meant to say. I already have children. Therefore, it's not It's not going to happen like my father. You're asking me to pray like my father did, but it's a different situation. there he prayed for my mother and he himself needed the same thing. so he was answered first Me, there's no question of being answered first because I have children that's that's what the that's what the the says now speaking about prayer. I want to go back to the first passage of the Torah. In the first passage of the Torah, it says, He left 'er Bereshava, went to Haran. Now, what's going on? Why did he leave? He left because when he he got the Beracha from his father, Yitzchak, then Esav was very angry and he promised himself he's going to kill him. Then Yaakov's uh, mother, Rifka heard about that. some And she called her son, Yaakov, says, you can't stay here. It's too dangerous. Go to Haran, the place of, uh, of my people, and over there, you'll get a bride. Then after that, also it's Avinu gave him a berakha. And he told him also, go to Haran. And over there, you'll find a bride over there. So both his mother and his father asked him to leave and go to Haran. But he did not go immediately. In, at the end of last week's parasha, if you look into Rashi over there, you will see Rashi goes through a long derivation And he makes an accounting of all the years of Yaakov Avinu. And he concludes that Yaakov Avinu did not go immediately to Lavan. He went to the yeshiva of Shem Va'eber, the academy of Shem Va'eber. He stayed there 14 years, 14 years. He was learning. Some say he was learning Torah over there because he's going, he, he knew he was going to Laban, a crooked man, a man who's Abed Abu He needed some strengthening himself before going into, uh, in, into life living with such a man. But our company, Yaakov Avinu now was on a mission a mission to build a home. So, first thing, we've got Makum. So he goes to learn Then as he is going. With Makum, he encountered the a place. Which place is it? It was the place. Aramuria. That is the place where Abraham Avinu, took his son. Isaac, for the Akeda. That is the place where later on. The Beta Mikdash was going to be built. So right there. So he prayed. And from here, the Hachamim learned that Yaakov Avinu instituted the prayer of Arbit. It was it was it was like it was night at, at that point. So he had two things. So we first so he learns Torah. Then he prays. And then, now Vayake He puts on like a, a some kind of a, a, a pillar. He puts oil and so on. Usually, this is a symbol of, of worship. A symbol of worship. And then he says, If Akadosh Baruch Hu will really keep me well and do everything, he says, okay? And he says, Whatever you give me, I'm going to give Ma'aser. I'm going to give 10%. So we have three things over here. What's the idea behind? He learns Torah. He puts some matzahva. And he says, asera, uh, asera why, why, What's the significance of these three things? He could have said, okay, you know what? When I come back, I'm going to learn more Torah. I'm going to teach Torah to my children, to my grandchildren. No, he said exactly these three things is what happened. Perhaps we can understand this. With a, uh, one of the, uh, uh, in Pirkei Avot, it says over there about Shimonat Sadiq. Shimonat Sadiq, he was a, a Kohen Gadol, for maybe 40 years. And he was a man of distinguished appearance. Long white beard. When he was wearing the garments of the Kohen Gadot, he looked like a malach. And the, the Midrash says that when Alexander the Great was conquering country after country, going from state to state, and he finally came. He was about to come into uh, Judea at the time which is Israel uh, Shimon al-Sadiq knew that hey he can't fight the, the Greeks at the time they were too strong obviously so he employed a different ruse a different technique he said you know let me take a lot of my kohanim here we're going to be dressed beautifully yeah with our garments we take the Sifre Torah with us and we go and greet him that way it worked. When Alexander the Great came and he saw that beautiful sight, he actually came off his horse, went over to Shimon of Sadiq, and he bowed down to him. Bowed down to him, Alexander the Great. And he told him, "You okay, don't have to worry about your religion." Then after that, they asked him, the generals, hey, how how do you bow down to a Jew? So he answered that he had a dream where he saw an angel that looked just like Shimon al-Sadiq. And that angel told him that he's gonna be successful. So This is the way he interpreted it. And he saw this man who looks like the angel. That's why he bowed down to him. So Shimon al-Sadiq, now we know he's gadlut he said the following. When it comes to building a home. Especially. The world. Which is made up of many 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 homes. Torah, Study of Torah. Avoda, Either prayer or worship. Hasadim, Kind deeds. Fulfillment. Of kind deeds of Gimelut Hesed. Yaakov Avinu was on a mission to build a home. So he's telling us first Torah, learn Torah. He went to Shemba Ever learning for 14 years. Then he says the Matseva, the prayer, prayer or Matseva, worship for Hashem in a place where the Betameh was going to be. And the third thing, what you give me? I'm gonna give him my to the poor. That is symbolic of Gimelut Pesed. Obviously, we take ten percent for the poor. Of course, you can give my asset to uh, uh, to other charitable organizations. You can give to shul. You can give to a yeshiva. Uh, but at the same, but also to the poor. Li. Asir, so now we have the Torah, avoda, and Gimilut Hasid. Rabbi perhaps I might digress a little bit and say the following. If all the countries of the world will adopt even a few of the instructions of our Torah, the world will be in such a better situation. The Torah says, you shall not kill, you shall not lie, you shall not cheat, you shall not practice immorality, you shall have compassion. And there is a catch-all phrase in the Torah. What does that mean? That Hashem is telling us the following. He can't write in the Torah. Every single case that happened from Adam Arishon till today can't do that. So it's telling us you know what? This is what you have to follow. You have mitzvot, but they have a case between two people, two nations, two communities. <speaking in Hebrew> you have to do what's upright and what's good. What's good, not good for you. What's good What's good in front of because a case that comes to you, if it's you, you're, you're going to be, I'm the right one. I'm right. You're going to justify yourself all the time. No, it's not has to be the right thing. What's fair and what's just now, let me tell you what's been happening. What happened three weeks ago and what's happening now among the nations. And I'm not talking about nations like uh, uh, has, you know, uh, ISIS or, or Hezbollah or Al-Qaeda or Hamas. These are like Amalek. Amalek, the Torah says, it's got to go. That's different. I'm talking about what supposedly people call the civilized nations. I'm taking France as an example. As you know, the last three, four weeks, uh, the Arabs has been uh, stabbing Jews all over. I'm sure you heard of this. It's not that one or two or three incidents. We're talking about a lot of incidents here. And what has France said about that three weeks ago? France says like this, countries must protect themselves from militants, but show restraint. You have to show restraint so that you don't fuel even more a highly sensitive situation in the region. Show restraint. Yeah, you can defend yourself, but really you can't. You got to show restraint. Is France showing restraint? Of course not. They're going full force against. They're pounding those the, the ISIS day and night. Well, I have no Rahmanul for the ISIS. That's not the point. The point is, look at the double standard. For Israel, you show restraint. For them, no. That's not restraint. They got a double standard here. As of three weeks ago, they were saying, wait a minute. With your friends, you don't need to make peace. Peace you make with your enemies. Well, are they trying to make peace with their enemies? Of course not. It says, they said, if you strike hard at a terrorist, you will simply extend and enlarge the cycle of violence. Don't do that. (laughs) For themselves, it's okay though. They're striking. They're not worried about extending or enlarging the cycle of violence. As of three weeks ago, your bombs are going to hit civilians. Do they care about civilians now? They don't care. They just hit whatever. Double standard. Give peace a chance. End the cycle of violence. Show restraint. That's for the others. Not for themselves. The Torah says if they can do it, why can't Israel do this, follow the same steps? And what is he doing now, the French president? He wants to meet Obama, he wants to meet Putin and every everyone from the every leader of the NATO nations, he wants to rally all of them and to go against ISIS. Why doesn't he rally all of them to go against Hamas? In fact, they don't even have to rally all of them. All they have to say, we all agree. You, Israel, do like what we're doing. That's all they have to say. They don't have to, they don't have to help Israel. Israel can help. It's a Baruch Hashem. is with them. But they won't say that. For themselves, it's okay. But for the others, for Israel, it's not. This is a double standard that we are facing. But you know. Many are saying. This is heavily Mashiach. Unfortunately. Mashiach comes at a price. There are going to be pangs. There going to be some suffering. Some pain. Before the Mashiach will come. And we hope. That that pain. Will be very 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 short. And the Mashiach will come. Very quickly. Beazat Hashem. Let me just, before I conclude, let me say again that this station is a great station and it needs that we all contribute and uh, keep it going. It's very important, both for the adults and for the children. Also, as you know, uh, our ballroom has been completely renovated. I think it would pay for you just to go there to take a look at it, even if you don't have a house. It's a beautiful place now. And, of course, we have uh, the, the shul. Uh, uh, if you look at the Aruna Kodesh it's something uh, uh, very unusual. So we do have, I think, probably uh, the better uh, of the uh, ballrooms in, in, in this area right now. And certainly, if you have a simha, we could, we definitely will accommodate you. Shavua Tov, Tiskul